Resolution time is just around the corner. Each year, most of us try to better ourselves by losing weight or quitting smoking, but few of us actually see success. Coming up today on the podcast, we talk to a psychologist and a fitness expert on how you can beat the odds. Why do so many people fail at sticking to their resolutions? What do people that find success have in common? How can you lose weight or quit smoking this year? Put down the cigarette and or cheeseburger, listen and find out. From beautiful downtown Detroit, Michigan, this is the Zing Podcast from Quicken Loans. Hello, everybody. It's the Zing Podcast. It's Sean T. Johnson here with Natalie Ness. Natalie, great to have you back behind the mic. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah? How are you? I'm good. I'm real good. You know, we're getting towards the uh, New Year's resolution time of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's... Uh, I, I love I love this time of the year, to be honest with you. It's like rebirth. It's, yeah, all this new stuff happening. And just about everybody tends to try to do something different mm-hmm. in the year to come. than They did, you know, maybe improve a part of their life. What are some uh, New Year's resolutions you've done in the or have you do not try to better yourself at all i mean i make them it's not always the fact that i keep them yeah you know um, that's but kinda... i think i think this year one that i will stick to is just treating my parents better and giving more to them really i came up with that the other day interesting yeah. oh that's another podcast topic we'll talk about yeah. in the future but, but in the meantime no go ahead please but, what do you have on coming this year? You just came, you just got some great news. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just found out uh, that uh, my wife is pregnant. So yeah. Johnston Baby Mark Two is happening in June. Thank you for weaving that into the podcast, mm-hmm. Natalie. But yeah, obviously we'll have a lot of stuff uh, going on this year. But, um, you know, I think for me, weight loss is going to be really the big one. And to talk about that today, we've got uh, Tessa Ferrier. She's a personal trainer and she actually uh, works right next to me. Uh, her day job, I guess, as you would call it, is uh, social media at Quicken Loans here. Tessa, it's great to have you on today talking about something else that's not Facebook ads, right? That's right. So she's going to talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, one of the biggest uh, things that people tend to, myself included, uh, try to do. Uh, as a New Year's resolution is uh, is weight loss, general healthiness. But we've also got another expert on to talk about what I think is arguably the number one thing for a lot of people that they try to improve in the New Year's, which is quitting smoking. And to do that, we've got Victoria Duda. She's a psychotherapist. Victoria, nice to have you on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Well, great. Let's start with you, actually, because, uh, you know, I personally, I've never smoked. Uh, I'm very thankful. My parents did. Everybody in my family does. I know they've really tried to quit over the years, and I know it's not an easy thing to do. Why is it so hard to quit smoking? Well, smoking, it's often looked at as a bad habit, and it's actually not a bad habit. Really? It's an addiction. Okay. And I think if people were able to see it more as an addiction and really kind of experience hearing about it as an addiction, it would make things a lot easier. It's a psychological effect, and it's also a physical effect. And I think when people plan to do it it's kind of blocked by some other you know like I'm just going to do cold turkey or I'm just going to do whatever they don't think about the actual effects so planning ahead is key and a lot of people don't tend to plan ahead so that's that's really interesting that you say that because you know obviously everybody's different what uh, methodology for quitting might work for one person it won't for another but there are people that can go cold turkey right but it seems like the vast majority of people need some kind of help so what would you recommend if somebody's coming into your office and they're like look Victoria I, I gotta I gotta stop I got to stop smoking. How can you help? Like what, what, what are some of the methodologies that you would use to help them break that addiction? 
I think what I would do is I would try to help them calm themselves as far as the sense of urgency. I'd have them kind of step back and try and figure out why it is that they became addicted to smoking in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because for some people, the habit starts at a young age and it could be for any kind of like an oral fixation, which I know Freudian jokes left and right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the eating weight gain is often associated with it. Yeah. You know, so it's those kinds of habits that you know, you'd want to step back and figure out where they came from. Interesting. And what are some of the common, aside from maybe an oral fixation or like aside from maybe the social element, because, you know, there are a lot of people out there too that are like social smokers or just something that I don't really understand how that's a thing. But like, um, what are some other reasons why people do it that they might not even know? Uh, a lot of it's anxiety. Really? Yeah. People who have a lot of issues with anxiety or concerns, uh, social anxiety that brings in the social smoking. Yeah. You know, kind of like social drinking, etc. So kind of understanding what your, that's one of the big strategies here is why are you smoking and trying to get at that root problem mm-hmm. is what you're saying. Very interesting. So one of the other things that we know can lead to if somebody quits smoking, weight gain is always a thing. And, and gaining weight is a, you know, something that I think everybody does at one point or another. And if we want to live uh, a healthier lifestyle, we definitely have to have a strategy for doing that. So Tessa, let's talk about weight loss programs here for a second, because there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this that are going into 2016. They're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get healthy. But, you know, it's no surprise that, you know, the gyms are packed in January and by February and not so much. So can you tell us why so many people have such trouble sticking to a weight loss program? What what, what would you say? I think one of the main things is people look at it in a really black and white way. And instead of approaching it as a lifestyle change, it's everything's going to change. I'm going to hit the ground running new year. I'm going to adapt this amazing plan. I'm going to go to the gym every day. And so they're setting unrealistic expectations they can't possibly keep up with. Um, And a lot of times it can feel like a punishment because if you decide you're going to go from sitting on the couch and watching Netflix after work to running for an hour every day, you can't possibly keep up with that mentally, physically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the diet programs that people tend to hop on to can also feel like a punishment um, if you're giving up foods that you love, Mm -hmm. if your portion sizes are dramatically increasing. They're just setting the bar too high and not looking at it as a lifestyle change holistically and making smaller changes to eventually reach a goal. They want to see a change immediately. Yeah, so people are pretty impatient when it comes to that kind of stuff. So really what we have to do is have a practical expectation is what you're talking about, Tessa. Like you can't go into it saying, you know, I'm going to go from not doing anything to running a 5K every day going to the gym every day. So what what would you say for somebody who maybe isn't in great shape, really wants to do this, but wants to do it right over the long term? What's, what's, a, what's a basic strategy? What's a basic plan that they can stick to that'll work um, longer than maybe a couple of weeks? So you have to look at the diet aspect and the exercise as two pieces that work together, but neither of which should be a negative thing. So with the exercise component, it's making some kind of a change. If you don't like running or if you don't think you're going to like committing to a traditional um, weightlifting routine that you do five days a week, maybe it's I'm going to play basketball mm-hmm. with my colleagues at lunch three times a week. Okay. Um, so it's setting small and attainable goals and setting setting up a plan that you know you'll stick to because you'll enjoy it. So finding an activity you like. A really good place to start is group exercise. There are okay. a lot of different types of classes. You're not the only person there alone. Um, it's kind of more motivating if you're in a 
you know, you're in the same place with other people that are also setting those goals or having fun. There's energy. And it's a great way to kind of figure out what you want to do for exercise. And as for food, it really is simple. The way I think you have the most success with it is limiting your portion sizes Mm -hmm. and trying to make the same meals you enjoy at home because you can save a lot of calories by just simply making whole foods yourself. So if you like pizza, it doesn't need to be, I'm never going to eat it. I'll make a whole grain pizza at home or I'll nuke a lean cuisine one if I don't have the time to do that. But it's just, you know, focusing on those smaller goals. So I think that's where you start is maybe setting something that you'll do weekly as an exercise. So maybe three times a week, 30 minutes a day. I think that's pretty achievable Mm -hmm. no matter how busy you are. Find something that you enjoy doing too. That's the important thing. It's like, I do not like running. I've never liked running. I feel like every time I want to go to the gym, I have to run and then I just don't want to go to the gym anymore. So for cardiovascular, what are some recommendations for somebody? If I don't like running, what can I do to replace that? Um, there's a lot to do, but before I get into that, the funny thing is, is I've heard that out of my own mind too. Really? Um, I don't. Th- I think anyone that says that they love to spin or run or power lift probably didn't love it as much at the beginning. Mm. It's something that you become passionate with. So, for example, I, I hated running. I did not want to get out of bed or get onto the treadmill. I didn't used to be able to run for three straight minutes. I had to push myself through it for probably a couple months until I got to enjoy it. But I wasn't doing it that hard. I did 20 minutes a day, maybe three times a week. So I wouldn't say, you know, necessarily to push off the one thing you don't like, give it a try. But Mm -hmm. some other great things to do for cardio include cycling. It's really, it's actually a better calorie burn than running and lower impact. So it's better on your joints. And it's a lot of fun because it's a group experience as well. There are classes like Zumba or kickboxing, which almost don't feel like a workout because they aren't a traditional aerobic workout. You're learning moves, you're having a little bit of fun with it. It doesn't have to be traditional cardio. If you're gonna pick a sport that you enjoy, there's a difference between skating around a rink with friends on a beer league and joining something a little more competitive in terms of how much of a burn you'll get out of it. So there's that to consider as well. Um, You can look online and just type in on Google, how many calories does this exercise burn and find a list of every sport, aerobic activity that you can imagine. And, you know, you find a couple that you see that you enjoy and you pick them. Basketball is a good one. Swimming is great because it's full body. And again, it doesn't necessarily feel as trying as running. It's more therapeutic, but you get the same kind of results out of it. Another good one is yoga, just because it's not just about the burn, but more getting your mind and body centered and Mm -hmm. in tune with everything. And that can actually help with the eating aspect as well, because a lot of us overeat because of stress or anxiety, or it's just a habit to fill the time. Mm -hmm. So being mindful um, really does help you kind of balance that entire program. So it's really interesting that you brought up the eating aspect. And that's something I want to go back to Victoria here for a second, because it seems to me if you're really classifying smoking as an addiction, which it really is, there are other addictions, quote unquote, that people might have. Like, I'm I'm very guilty of this. Like, I think as a stress relief and as a coping mechanism, I, I love to stop at McDonald's on the way home. And I, you know, you find yourself in these patterns of behavior. And it's like, by the next time, you know, it, like, I can't not stop on my way home from work. So are there similarities between, you know, maybe someone's vices is cheeseburgers versus smoking? Are there a lot of similarities psychologically between those things and and how you would maybe tackle them as a problem? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. As far as eating, smoking, I mean, alcohol, yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah, they tend to, it's coming from somewhere else. And that's where a lot of that stuff just kind of develops out of. We find ways to cope and deal with things that maybe we put off because either we're not aware of what's going on mentally deep down or because something is going on and we're not really sure how to handle the stress because we didn't learn the coping mechanisms we were growing up. Everybody has the opportunity to do that now, which is great. So be it smoking or be it drinking or be it cheeseburgers in my case, you know, if you wake up on January 1st, 2016, you're like, I want to rid myself of this addiction, of this bad habit. What are some strategies? What are some things that you would recommend to sort of ease that transition? Because what we're talking about is filling a hole, essentially, that you're getting rid of. So how, how do I do that? What's the best way that I can go about doing that without, you know, psychological shock or anything of that nature? Yeah, I think the best way to start any kind of major change like that in your life is to assess where you're at, like what you're capable of taking on. You don't want to take on too much at once. So for some people, and there is a very high success rate for cold turkey, um, for some people they might need to come up with a coping plan mm -hmm. for while they're in the midst of it. Uh, for example, I had a colleague who would keep chewing gum in their pocket where they used to have a pack of cigarettes. Mm. And so they would take out the gum and they would put it in their mouth and then in their other pocket they had paper clips. And they would just play with the paperclip, which would deal with the physical association of holding something in your hand while you're also taking care of your oral fixation with the gum. Interesting. And so there's all kinds of there's all kinds of plans. Like you could mark cigarettes to a certain point, and then maybe the first week you have to stop an inch before the end. Week after that, an inch and a half before the end, and keep going until eventually, now you have to go. Well. I was smoking last when I was in this mood or this had just happened, keep a log and then don't allow yourself to maybe smoke while something like that's happening. There's all kinds of tricks and really if they go online, there's tons of resources that will be able to help them. So I can't really speak to the quit smoking habits, but I can kind of speak in from past experience from the losing weight. So the one thing that I always kept in mind was cost the cost of food and making sure that what I was eating was healthy, but also making sure that I was hitting my budget or something. So what what are some tips for our listeners to when they do want to eat healthier? What are your tips to making sure that their choices are also cost efficient? One of the best things to do is you start with a list of meals that you like. And then from that list, you turn them into ways that you can make them healthier. So you could start with pizza, sandwiches, and then refine down, okay, I can make pizza with a whole grain crust. Maybe I can make it with fat-free cheese and turkey pepperoni. So then once you've kind of made a list of meals that you know you like and you can make, you pick two or three. You make them for lunch for the week on Sunday. So you have a grocery list that, you know, instead of building a brand new meal every breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you come up with a couple of staples um, so it's cost efficient. You can do it with your spouse and kind of make it a challenge. So, hey, I'm going to try to make this pizza tonight. You can be on sandwiches tomorrow and try to make kind of a game out of coming up with healthy, creative meals. One of the biggest tricks is getting your vegetables and fruits frozen in bulk bags. You can't, <laughs> you can't excuse yourself from eating them if they're in the freezer and you can nuke them in a minute. <laughs> right. It is so easy to go home and that's another thing. You can take chicken breast or if you're a vegetarian tofu um, or pasta quinoa and prep it for dinner so that when you come home you either throw it into the oven or you've cooked it and it's in the fridge 
you grab um, Uncle Ben's brown rice or some kind of a minute nuking one. They have whole grain brown rice that you can throw in the microwave now. Yeah. So that takes two minutes. Then you grab your broccoli out of the freezer. You nuke that or you steam it. My lazy way of doing it is you put it in a bowl, fill some water in it, and then a plate over top. Two minutes in the microwave. Gourmet. Boom. Done. It's nice and crisp, too. It's it surprising. Is. Yeah. It is. It's <laughs> wonderful. I do that all the time. They have steamer packs now, too. So really, I mean, everything is completely user-friendly and easy and if you browse the grocery aisles for long enough you can come up with ideas just in the frozen meal area um and they're really not that unhealthy they're just frozen Mm -hmm. and then going with the association of like smoking i do know someone who was diagnosed with diabetes and he smoked a lot and then he quit and then he started exercising and getting healthy how many how many clients of yours or how many people do you work with that have that smoking addiction that they are quitting and then they want to get healthy like what do you do with them is there anything specific that you approach them with when it comes to quitting smoking and getting healthier that's a really good question um I don't know if it's necessarily just with quitting smoking, but um, I have had clients in my spin classes that were actually cancer recoverers. So, you know, they'd been incredibly ill and their time had been consumed with appointments and whatnot. And now that they were in remission and okay to work out again, it was building gradually. And I think that's the same kind of mindset with a smoker, given the lung capacity that you'd have to approach it with. So with something like a cycling class, you know, it was very specific, but I would tell them, try for 20 minutes this time you don't need to complete the full class um just give it your best and next week try for 25 the week after try for 30 so i think setting incremental goals is really helpful if it's more of a weight loss and full exercise program then for clients like that again you start small so maybe it's let's try biceps with 15 pounds let's do that for a month and then increase by 2.5 pounds um so you set the bar kind of low to begin with so that it's exciting when you've achieved that and more motivating to actually push towards a goal that will yield better results eventually. So just to kind of wrap this up, I, I, I think there's one thing that uh, there's a lot of commonalities between quitting smoking and also exercising, getting healthier, and that's uh, encouragement. You know, and that's one thing that I think is, is critically important because a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I did the tradition, I think it was like 2014, my goal was to, to lose weight. And I actually somehow ended up doing it. And I got to tell you, from my perspective, be it ridding yourselves of a bad habit or you know, getting more healthy, just having people be excited for you is critically important to me. So can you guys talk about the, the role that friends and family can have in encouraging people uh, to, to take that next step? And Victoria, I'll start with you. Yeah, definitely. That's something I did want to touch on too. There's enough negative reinforcement, I think, all around us. And really focusing on the positive is going to make a huge impact on any kind of lifestyle change, whether it's, you know, weight loss or, you know, stopping smoking could be anything. I think instead of looking at, okay, I shouldn't smoke because it does this, this, and this, like I could be making my diabetes could become worse. Like I could have all kinds of issues down the road. I could be affecting my children, etc. It's good to kind of focus on, okay, I could save a lot of money this way. I could, uh, my hair will always smell really good, you know. I won't have to go outside when it's freezing cold to get a few puffs, you know. There's all kinds of positive things you can focus on. And then when you bring friends and family into it, when you make it clear, like, this is something that's very important to me and I really want to succeed 
And I'm going to start, you know, with some small steps, and I would really appreciate any and all encouragement. I think people are always really excited to help people better themselves. And honestly, if they're not, well, then I wouldn't. Yeah, maybe they're maybe they're not the type of people you want in your life, right? So, Tessa, this kind of uh, dovetails very nicely to what we, you and I do uh, in our day jobs, which is social media. And I got to imagine uh, the encouragement that you can feel from your people uh, in your social networks if you're trying to lose weight is is critically important. Is that something that you recommend if if people are like setting off to, to have a weight loss goal, like letting their friends and family on Facebook and Twitter know about it and keeping them? Would you recommend that? Is that something that you think works for a lot of people? I think that it can hold you accountable. I think it depends on how sensitive you are in yeah. your personality style and honestly your likelihood to stick to it because it is embarrassing to put that out there with your scene and then to fail. Yeah. Um, I think that what goes in hand with the support though of your friends and family is being your own cheerleader through it too. So celebrating little victories, mm-hmm. things like I made it to the gym three times this week. Yep. Maybe I'll get a manicure. Um, so. I think some of the reason why people can fail when it's a weight loss thing is um, they're not really doing it to make themselves better or happier. They might even just be doing it because of how they're perceived and wanting to look better and in turn increase their self-esteem. But, you know, I think the validation should also come from yourself. So Mm -hmm. maybe it's journaling um, or giving yourself some kind of treat that's not food based. as hard as that is to do. Maybe it's gum. Maybe it's a like cheesecake flavored gum. They've mm. got crazy kinds of gum now that you, yeah. you know, or, um, or maybe it's, you know, I'm going to sign up for a dance class that I normally wouldn't pay for um, with my McDonald's bill, but now I have that money and yeah. now I've spent this week not eating McDonald's. So I'm going to encourage myself to keep going and I'm going to go and use that money for something better. That's great. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's actually really interesting that you bring that up with your McDonald's bill. Every time, uh, you know, I've, I've been trying to kick this habit for a few weeks now and I find myself anytime I'm getting close to that, that's uh, either Taco Bell or McDonald's instead of pulling into the drive, I'll actually when I'm stopped at a red light, of course, just so Rhonda doesn't freak out when we say this, I'll always transfer the money that I probably would have spent at McDonald's into my kid's college fund or something like that. So it's a reminder. So it's it's whatever it is that kind of keeps you accountable there. I love that. Well, thank you very much, ladies. We've been talking about uh, some different ways, you know, quitting smoking, losing weight, two of the big New Year's resolutions coming up here for everybody in 2016. So trying to help you figure out a way that you can do that uh, successfully. And good luck to everybody that's listening in 2016 with whatever that is that you want to make yourself better with. We've been talking with Victoria Duda, psychotherapist, and Tessa Ferrier, personal trainer. Ladies, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to the Zing Podcast production team. Natalie Ness is our producer, Justina Kopaz is our project manager, and Leah Castile did pretty much everything technical. Also a tip of the cap to the Zing Podcast co-hosts, Michelle Girolando, Tim Kay, Jen Hansen, and Don Jameson. We also had a lot of help from Nick Dean, Jamar Hill, Christina El Haddad, Heath Stouffer, Crystal Beers, Tommy Herman, and Nate Sherfield. Rhonda McGill is our legal lady. Rhonda, how does the jury find... The persons or firms represented in this podcast are meant for informational purposes only, and the information provided is not intended to be considered as a recommendation or an endorsement by Quicken Loans. Please do your own research before making any decisions regarding the hiring of any professional. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nationwide mortgage licensing system number 3030. Remember that the party continues on the Zing blog. You can find lots of great stuff by visiting www.quickenloans.com slash blog. Be sure to engage with us on social media as well. Check out Quicken Loans on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, and Instagram. 
We'll be back soon with more amazing insights on home, money, and life. But for now, from all of us here at Quicken Loans, I'm Sean T. Johnston. Thanks for listening.